On today's episode of Bill and Frank's Guilt-Free Pleasures, we talk about Man in Motion, St. Elmo's Fire by John Parr, a song that is more closely related to Rick Hansen than it is to the movie that it was written for. A song that describes a weather phenomenon we don't quite understand, but we feel it burning within our hearts. And a song that is probably the ultimate pump-up jam of all times. So do your best to sit back and enjoy, but if you need to, you can start running. Here we go, Man in Motion. Before we do a podcast episode, Frank and I make sure we listen to the song. And we just listened to John Parr's Man in Motion again. And I'm pretty sure you and I have listened to it about 30 times this week. I think 30 times today. Yeah. It's still hitting hard. It's still so good. I am so pumped up right now. It is such an inspirational, such a great song. I slapped my knee on more than one occasion. Yeah. I think I scared you a bit. I was ready to go for a run around the block just to kind of get back in motion here. Yeah, exactly. This is a song that fits in with the mid-80s sort of sports hero films. Like It could play in a Rocky film. It could play in any sort of triumphant underdog film. This is such an inspirational song. And it's attached to a film that is very uninspirational. St. Elmo's Fire, the song, I mean Man in Motion and the theme, are high points of the 80s. St. Elmo's Fire, the movie, might be one of the lowest points in film history. I can't believe that I watched the entire thing today in preparation for this episode. Unbelievable. I watched 10 minutes just a few days ago, and I'm famous <laughs> for watching all these movies and every documentary I can. I just said no after they stuck Rob Lowe's face in the toilet and then acted like nothing violent had happened to him. Like, I can't do this anymore. It is terrible. Now, we will revisit that movie a lot because my vitriol can't be contained and just pure anger that this movie even was conceived of and made. It's basically everything I hate about Friends and worse. Like the show Friends yeah, or I Friends hate, in general? I think I hate the show Friends. I think I'm pretty sure I do. I know people find it funny. Apparently Friends is funny. But this would be like Friends without it even being funny. Yeah, okay. And it's so unfortunate that Man in Motion, St. Elmo's Fire, is attached to that movie. Like the song is so... So much better than the movie. That's right. And the story of the song, of course, is attached to this movie. And had it not been for this horrible movie, this song would never have been created. So I'm okay with it. And in the end, John Parr even said 
There was a time when they talked about the movie and they'd say, oh yeah, this movie, and it even has that Man in Motion song in it. And now they say, hey, you know that Man in Motion song? Oh yeah, it was in some sort of movie some from sort the of 80s. Movie. So yeah, it's exactly. kind of reversed and that's great. This is one of the instances where the ends justify the means. That's correct. We were worried we we're going to talk about St. Elmo's Fire for about 25 minutes about how much we hated it, but I feel we got it out for the moment. For the moment. It's going to come back it's gonna again. Come back. Oh, my goodness. There's a lot of anger that goes along with that movie. Well deserved. Yes. So, let's talk the story of John Parr. John Stephen Parr. Well, there we go. Already the mysteries being unlocked. So, John Parr is born in, Frank, what's the name of that? Worksop, England. And he said the only thing that came out of Worksop, England was Robin Hood and he lived in the woods. I'm not even sure what he meant by it. Is it near Nottingham? I'm going to assume so. Yeah. I heard a TED Talk that he gave, and it was called Unscripted. Now, the thing that gets me is he practiced it, he said, so that doesn't feel unscripted. Is what we do here unscripted? Well, yeah. I think everything I do is unscripted because I literally never know the next thing I'm ever going to say. Right. So, I guess to me, that's base level unscripted. For him, unscripted just means I'm not reading a speech, which is fine. I digress, though. In his TED Talk, which we'll post in the show notes, of course. He talked about growing up and his sort of life. And I guess he ended up living with his aunt. I think his whole family all lived at the aunt's house. There's a whole bunch of people all crammed into one house. Okay. But he kind said, of like in Willy Wonka. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like he was, yeah, the, yeah, okay. <laughs> Thanks, Frank. <laughs> okay. He, uh, that was he, in England too. Yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> He said the house was full of love, though. So, it's not one of those stories where he's had a hard upbringing in terms of he, he, he had the key things he needed, which was love. And I think that's what gave him his sort of perseverance. And he had this dream of being a rock star, but no one from his town had ever really made it outside of Robin Hood, I guess. Robin Hood had his merry men who did all the singing for him. Yeah. But this is the first time a merry man wanted to make it out on his own. Gotcha. Yeah. So, John Parr was living in a house of love. I think you're thinking Amy Grant Fitzgill, house of love. Oh, yes. Okay. So, at 15, he's in a band. Everyone says he can't make it. And he says the band played a really great show at their high school. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think we know people who have played really great yeah. shows at our high schools that we went to high school with. Yeah, yeah. And then 15 years, he said the band was, I think, still together. And then, like, their van broke down. And then the band also broke down, too. And he was all kind of... That was, it was just him left, but he oh, was okay. married and his wife said, I'll keep working. You just keep writing songs and we're going to make it. Oh, wow. And so from there, he ended up making connections with the Who's manager because the Who had just broken up. I read that he was injured in a bar fight and the Who's manager, John Wolf, was at the same bar and sort of took him under his wing. Mama birded him back to help. And then they started this connection together, and he kind of championed him. Interestingly, this was all cut out of the unscripted TEDx. <laughs> but I'm like, what about the bar fight where you got injured? Yeah. He cut that part out. I hate TED Talks. I love John Parr, though, so I'm going to forgive that he did a TED Talk. Yeah. TED Talks drive me insane. I always thought you had to be named Ted to do one. Okay. I don't have a response <laughs> to that terrible joke. <laughs> okay. So... He's got the Who's manager looking out for him. Meatloaf calls him up 
to help yeah. out on an album. And he ends up living with Meatloaf in Connecticut for a while. <laughs> oh, jeez. So, and then somewhere along the way, he ends up doing his first album with a song called... Naughty Naughty. And if you see the video, which we will post in the show notes, he's playing a, a guitar that's in the design of an American flag. He's got that working man session singer sound to me. Like, I yeah. don't know how to describe it other than it's like, oh, okay, this is a voice you'd bring this guy in to sing, like, heavy-duty backing vocals for you. Yeah, a little bit of high gravel in his voice. Yeah. It's a little bit of Joe Bean Esposito in there. Yes. Yeah. So, I feel like he also could be a New Jersey rocker. Yeah. Somehow to me, too. But he's not. He's from England. It's hard to say not when Naughty, naughty keeps coming into my head. Yeah. <laughs> But I digress, I think. Naughty Naughty ends up piquing the interest of our Canadian hero, David Foster. Songwriter extraordinaire. Yes. And David Foster has been very successful, but he's been given his first ever movie score to do mm-hmm. for this movie called St. Elmo's Fire that's being lauded as this huge movie because they've had the big chill and The Breakfast Club is actually just about to come out, too, I think. Yeah, and it includes 60% of The Breakfast Club. Yeah. I did the math. That's pretty good. Yeah. And it's like the Brat Pack. They're called the Brat Pack, right? Yeah. So, all those people from The Breakfast Club who played high school students are now playing university graduates. Yeah. So, they leaped like six years. Minimum six years, yeah. So... This movie is supposed to be huge, and people are talking about it. Joel Schumacher, is this his first movie? It is his directorial debut. Now, he's been panned a lot. He's got a couple good movies that I don't mind, but he did also bring us Batman and Robin. Yeah. Lucky for him, he'd already done St. Elmo's Fire, so Batman and Robin wasn't his worst movie. (laughs) (laughs) So, I know that's debatable, but his cast is almost always incredible. So, this guy gets people to work for him, which is great. And so, David Foster's working on this. He's got his love theme, which is impeccable. And of course, we'll be doing an episode on it at some point. But he's got to write a song for the movie. And he calls up John Parr to come down because David Foster is burnt out and can't come up with a rock song. But he thinks that John Parr's got the style he needs. Mm -hmm. Also, they're going to be scoring that song to the movie. So, I guess the movie's been shot or they're, they're... they're doing something with the song. They yeah. need it Monday. And this is like Saturday. I think. Oh, seriously? Yeah. Oh, jeez. So, so they get together and he's got a song and John Parr doesn't really like it already. Like he's got ideas. So according to John Parr, is like they spend like 10 minutes working on another song. And he says, it's actually sounded really good. And then David Foster, who had already said, I'm burnt out. I don't want to do anything. But after those 10 minutes of working, said to John Parr, I think we can do better. So they work for another couple minutes. I don't even understand how this works. And in a couple minutes, they write another song. <laughs> oh, my it's goodness. a story. And David Foss says, I think we can do better. So, they work together again for another, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes. And Man in Motion, the sounds are all out. The oh, song okay. is ready. They need lyrics. I heard that uh, John Parr had already kind of wrote some lyrics to it that were ambiguous enough oh, that okay. they could work into the, into the music right. that they were writing. He kind of claimed that 
when he wrote it, he tried to make it ambiguous enough to get it in. But I guess Joel Schumacher came down. They're in LA, so I guess Joel Schumacher's in the building, came down and explained the plot yeah. <laughs> to uh, John Parr. And in John Parr's head, he's like, I failed my 11th exam. I don't really know my uh, UK schooling thing. Yeah. But I guess 11th means he probably didn't go on too far past high school or he didn't finish high school. Maybe that was grade 11 or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't I don't know. But either way, he just said he can't connect to these university grads who kind of all seem well-to-do. Certainly in the yeah. movie, they don't, they don't seem to be lacking anything. Well, except... Emilio Estevez's character who is a waiter and dresses like a clown for his waiting job. But his dad's Martin Sheen. No one knows it, though, because it's a different last name, right? Yeah. So John Parr's like, no, this isn't working. David Foster says, well, I got this videotape that someone brought to me. It might have been Rick Hansen who gave it to him, but he shows him this video and it's the Rick Hansen Man in Motion Tour that's just yeah. starting. For those of you who don't know, the Man in Motion Tour was Rick Hansen who uh, had a spinal injury when he was 15. And he was raising funds by wheeling in his wheelchair the distance around the world. So 40,000 kilometers or 26,000 miles. Insane. Yeah. And so Bonkers. They, yeah. They had just started that tour and hardly anyone really saw them. The only newsworthy thing that seemed to have happened when it started was, uh, what was it? The They had his spare wheelchair in a wooden crate on top of the RV that was supporting Rick Hansen. So when they left at the very start of the tour, they left from a shopping mall parking lot and it went under an overpass, except with the box on top of the RV, it was too high And it hit the overpass and just like smashed all over the place. So his only spare wheelchair was completely in ruin. And there's video of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so sad. So Rick Hansen is doing his man in motion, but nothing much is happening because there's not a lot of press for it. No. People didn't really care. He was fundraising about a dollar a kilometer. They said, Mm -hmm. we're only going to raise about $28,000 if we even pull this off. But David Foster has this video Shows it to John Parr, who says he could feel the hair on the back of his neck going up. Which is amazing because he has that great mullet. Um, but I, I just want to see what that mullet looked like if this is going on. And I got to say, I watched, I think, some of the clips of the Rick Hansen. I dare anyone to watch without crying. It's, oh, I know. Yeah, unbelievable. Oh. So he sees it, goes to his hotel room, and on Sunday comes in with a song. And David Foster is like, no way. You're not doing this to me. This is my first ever movie. I'm not blowing it. And he said, no, no, it's going to work because you, you wrote a song about Rick Hansen. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it's called Man in Motion. There's like these rules they had. One is it's supposed to be about these kids, but he calls it Man in Motion. Right? Yeah. And David Foster also said to him, don't put the movie title in the song. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's St. Elmo's Fire, Man in Motion. They're all put in there. Yeah, yeah. And John Parr just said, let me sing it for you. And when he sang it, David Foster's like, this is the song. Yeah. And within 24 hours, they did the song. And so, if you look at the players on there, it's the guys from Poco or from um, the guys Toto? From Toto, yeah. Yeah, right. And there's a... I think the guys in Toto were also in Poco. Does that sound? Yeah. Okay. So they got the best session musicians. So they're in LA. They get it all together, goes, they put in the movie. And he tried his best to make it seem like the producers would look at it, like the lyrics, and s- sort of see things in there. Like, I'm man in motion, give me a pair of wheels. 
Oh, they he think, needs oh, a set of wheels. Yeah, yeah, set of wheels. That's Demi Moore's Jeep. Jeep. Yeah. Right. So they said there's enough in there to fool them. Yeah. So that's how the song came about. It's so amazing that is the theme song for this movie, but it has absolutely nothing to do with the movie, but is also the theme song for this amazing charity event where this man is wheelchairing around the world. And because this song comes out and because they tell Rick Hansen about it, it becomes his theme song and he uses the song. Yeah. And then things take off because when we were kids, we heard this song all the time. Everywhere. Absolutely everywhere. And we knew it as Rick Hansen's song. Like, I yes. didn't know it was St. Elmo's Fire. There's no way my parents would ever let me near that Yeah, oh, <laughs> movie. no, absolutely not. But it was Rick Hansen's song. And Rick Hansen ended up raising, how much did he raise? $28 million on that tour? It took till 1987. It took two years. Well, close. He uh, raised $26 million on that two-year tour. So basically, where before it was like a buck a kilometer, it became... A lot more per yeah. kilometer. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, incredible. And Rick Hansen, we're going to post videos of the sort of man in motion thing that we would have seen in the 80s. And it is so moving. Rick Hansen is a Canadian hero. Was talked about in the same breath as uh, Terry Fox. Yeah. And Terry Fox was one of Rick Hansen's, like, inspirations for doing right. this. Right. And the whole idea of Terry Fox run across Canada, then Rick Hansen said, I'm going to wheel across the world. Yeah. Which is just incredible. So this song is Rick Hansen's song. So for those who've seen St. Elmo's Fire and have suffered through it, just know that this song is pointing to greater things. <laughs> yeah. So we have to put that out there. Also, this would come up maybe later, but I want to bring it up right now. The Academy Awards. Frank, could you find out for me right now what was nominated for Song of the Year at the 1985 Academy Awards? So, in the 1985 Academy Awards, the nominees for Best Original Song in a Motion Picture, the winner was Say You, Say Me from White Knights, Power of Love from Back to the Future, Surprise, Surprise from A Chorus Line, Sister from The Color Purple, and Separate Lives from White Knights. All right. Now, three of those songs deserve to be there. Oh, yeah. Now, Man in Motion doesn't get nominated at all because they said he didn't write it for the movie. Even though they paid for it to be in the movie, it's called St. Elmo's Fire. It's in the movie a lot. Like, yeah. you watched it today. They yeah. put it in at, at least these, seven times. And it's in scenes that they don't belong in at yeah. all. Oh, it's so bad. That movie's so bad. But because he kept- You didn't even watch the entire thing. Ten minutes. I understand <laughs> yeah. the pain of St. Elmo's Fire. That's just- like masochistic to do that to yourself. I uh, cleansed my palate afterwards by watching a good movie. So I watched right. Cabin Boy afterwards. <laughs> that's that's all you need to say. <laughs> Relatively, of course, that's a good movie. So because he kept telling everybody that he wrote it about Rick Hansen, that's why they didn't put it as a nomination. That's, it, that's just criminal. It's underhanded. Absolutely. Dirty, stinking, rotten Academy Awards. Yeah. I'm boycotting this year. They, they're so far removed from reality. Yeah. They might argue that so are we, since we live in the uh, this period of time still. We're not removed from reality. This is yes. real. Oh. Right. Wait, okay. so we're not in the Matrix. Yeah. Okay. So I just need to get that out, Oscars. So it might not have been even nominated for Best Song, but it did go to number one. Yeah. And it was there for two weeks? Two weeks. Yeah. 
So there is a connection that a personal connection that I have with this song. And it's a personal connection that's at about, uh, I'm going to say about seven or eight arms lengths. Okay. But it's still a connection that I'm going to attach myself to this song with. So Rick Hansen was an inspiration to the coach that I work with for running. Yeah. And he owns a running shop and runs the running club that I'm a part of. So he reached out to people in David Foster's songwriting team. And this is back in the early 2000s, I'm going to say, something like that. Yeah. And they wrote a jingle for Runner's Edge, the store that I run from and the the running club that I run from. And it was all based off of Man in Motion. No way. Yeah. I have a copy of the jingle too. Can we play the jingle? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I know, right? It's not overtly there, but it's there. So David Foster's writing team wrote a jingle for my local running store using Man in Motion as the baseline for it. It's pretty awesome, eh? Do you think we could reach out to David Foster to do some jingles for us? We could use some transition jingle music. Would Ian McGlynn be offended? Well, he's got the uh, opener and closer. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you used to work with Benny at the boot shop, I right? I did. So yeah. It's all, yeah, now it's all coming full circle. Full circle. Yeah. Wow, that's an incredible story. And Benny, my old-time co-worker back in our early days at the shoe store, we're dedicating this episode to you. That opening itself is already legendary for me. So if you're a kid listening to this in the 80s, you're all in right away. Everything about it is designed to pump you up. Yeah. And it starts off with that easy synth. Yeah. And then a little guitar riff comes in, then those electric drums, and it just builds and builds and builds. Oh, yeah. I'm looking at the personnel on this song and have three different people for keyboards. Yeah. <laughs> so, I know a lot of this is sort of synthy programming, and I know some of our listeners don't like hearing us use the word synthy. However, it is. It's most of our listeners named Cynthia. <laughs> yeah, they fair. get offended for some yeah, reason. I, yeah. It's pretty cool to be named after a keyboard. Yeah. I don't know what their problem is, what their hang-up is. So, everything's just right. David Foster's production is so perfect in this. Like, I love John Parr. I love his vocal. I love the lyrics. But David Foster's whole instrumentation around this is just right on. Yeah, absolutely. And that shows, again, in the movie when he does the St. Elmo's Fire, like, love theme, which is just so fantastic. Yeah, yeah. this is peak Foster. Yeah, so we head into the first verse. We were just t- discussing this when we heard it earlier. I got some notes. Oh, okay. All right. Growing up, you don't see the writing on the wall. Passing by, moving straight ahead, you knew it all. But maybe sometime 
If you feel the pain, you'll find you're all alone. Everything has changed. Not terribly inspirational lyrics, but it sets the scene. It sets the scene, and if you think about this as Rick Hansen, because you've read the Rick Hansen story, this is kind of the Rick Hansen story in the sense that he's growing up and he doesn't see what's coming. He doesn't see he's going to be paralyzed at 15, doesn't see that, you know, where his life's going to take him because he was... um, he was so active as a kid and all he was these a, things. A tremendous athlete. And even as a para-athlete, he won gold medals in the in the Paralympics. Yeah, oh yeah. He yeah, he's so accomplished. Yeah. But if you're thinking of Rick Hansen, you don't know where life is going to take you. So he's gonna hit this moment where he feels all alone, everything has changed. Mm-hmm. And then it heads into the second part there. Play the game. You know you can't quit until it's won. Soldier on. Only you can do what must be done. You know in some way, you're a lot like me. You're just a prisoner, and you're trying to break free. Play the game. You know you can quit until it's won. Soldier on. Only you can do what must be done. And that is pure man in motion, Rick Hansen, in the sense that the interviews that I read, he was talking about like quitting so many times because, I mean, the physical toll that that takes insane, bonkers, unbelievable. And this is written before he's really gone too far through America. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, John Parr knows what's coming for him in a sense. Yeah. John Parr talks about his gift, that his songwriting is a gift that he doesn't even know sometimes what he's doing, but he's able to channel something. He's it's able to understand. It's kind of like our it. podcast. Totally. <laughs> but looking at the that second verse there, there's a line there where John Parr inserts himself in there, where he says, you know, in some way, you're a lot like me. Yeah. And that's so good because he's talking about himself back in Warslop. <laughs> works up okay <laughs> i like i like war slop though that's great i think so it's very dickensian but uh work slop <laughs> work sop work sop yeah oh man okay work sop okay let's say fourth and fifth times the charm so he's thinking himself about himself in that town whatever way you want to call it but work sop he doesn't think he'll ever get out and he feels like he's a prisoner and he's just trying to break free. And so he sees that as well in Rick Hansen in a different sort of way. But this is about John Parr and Rick Hansen. You know what it's not about? Some guy who carries a saxophone around and makes stupid jokes. <laughs> and gets into a drunk driving crash. Yeah, and, at the and, beginning of the yeah, movie. And it's not a big deal to him. Yeah. And then they all go to where? A bar. Yeah. After a drunk driving crash, they go to a bar where they buy drinks and laugh together, and it is so phony, baloney, mid-80s, hooey. 
Watch the language, please. I'm sorry. I... This is the second podcast you've used Hooey on. Well, I feel it just worked yeah. again. This leads us into the dynamite. Oh, my goodness. Chorus. I can see a new horizon underneath the blazing sky. I'll be where the eagle's flying higher and higher. Gonna be your man in motion. All I need's this pair of wheels. Take me where my future's lying. St. Elmo's fire. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> ooh. I know as good as that sounds right now, it doesn't do justice to the song. You're right. I can see a new horizon underneath the blazing sky. I'll be where the eagle's flying higher and higher. Gonna be a man in motion. All I need is a pair of wheels. Take me where my future's lying. Send down those fire. Now, Man in Motion was the name of Rick Hansen's thing before he wrote the song. Yeah. So he inserted yeah. that trademark. Well, he was He's, so inspired by it, yeah. right? He put in the branding, right? He already put it in yeah. and set it up. And, I mean, we got to talk about this now. He brings up St. Elmo's Fire, right? Take me where the future's lying, St. Elmo's Fire. Yeah. Frank, do you know what St. Elmo's Fire is? I read something. It's a spectral phenomenon that happens around a ship's mast, and I got that directly off of an interweb site. Yes. And so sometimes they see it off airplane uh, wings too, or they think it is. There's different explanations around this, whether it's in the air or on the ground or on the water, I guess. Okay. But it's been talked about for, I don't know, since people have been sailing ships. Since sailors. Yeah. Since Christopher Cross wrote that song. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, you can find it in like Julius Caesar's notes. There's uh, data from China. I can't remember what dynasty it was from, but they talked about this. So everywhere. But it was called St. Elmo's Fire by sailors in the, uh, I don't know, 1200s? Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah. It comes from St. Elmo's St. Erasmus. Am I saying that right? Sure. Erasmus? Erasmus. Erasmus. No, Erasmus. We're going to go with Erasmus. He was a saint from uh, around 303 is when he died. And there's some pretty fantastical tales about him that you can read up on. But they feel that he's the patron saint of sailors. Or they named him the patron saint of sailors. Okay. And I think that's the sort of thing that happens that sailors kind of choose it and you become the patron saint. He's also known as St. Elmo. And so when they would see the St. Elmo's fire coming off of okay. the ship's mass. It comes out of points. So wherever there's like a point, you might have that moment where you see that glow oh, okay. of fire. And they saw that as a good omen. So John Parr includes that in his song. Mm-hmm. It's really important to him that St. Elmo's fire is this sort of symbol of something special. I feel John Parr gets the notion of faith and perseverance. You know who doesn't get that? Joel Schumacher? You probably, yeah. Rob Lowe's character in <laughs> oh, St. Yeah. Elmo's Fire, because he gives that speech about St. Elmo's Fire at the end to Demi Moore, who's trying to kill herself by opening up all the windows. Yeah. This is a climax of a movie where somebody in a really expensive apartment has opened up her windows, and they have to get into her house to close the windows to keep her alive. Yeah. As though that was going to kill her. Yeah. No. It'd make her uncomfortable. I mean, it was winter, though. I think this happened in, like... Victorian novels, but I just don't think it happens in the 80s. No. 
So, you Rob, really like that oh, movie, I, didn't it makes you? Makes me so mad. You, I know I said I quit at ten minutes, but you didn't ask the question about. Wait a second, how do you know about all these other scenes? We don't need to talk about that. But <laughs> in the scene, Rob Lowe says all the things she's feeling aren't real, just like Saint Elmo's fire. And then he takes a hairspray can, maybe yeah. sprays a lighter so it makes fire, and says something like, "It's not real." St. Elmo's fire wasn't real either. The sailors were duped. They were wrong. They thought it was a good omen. It meant nothing. How dare you, Rob Lowe's character with the saxophone, say that? How dare you? Shame on you. Shame on you. It means something. St. Elmo's fire does mean something. And when you see a spectral phenomenon, you better be in wonder. You shouldn't be walking around like, not a big deal. It's just St. Elmo's fire. Oh, how do you feel when you see a sunset Rob Lowe's character from St. Elmo's fire? Oh, not a big deal. I'll just go drunk driving again. <laughs> Premarital sex. What a stupid joke. It's a pretty good joke. All right. We've made that joke before. Yeah. <laughs> However, still, I like Rob Lowe a lot, but I don't like Rob Lowe's character and St. Elmo's fire. But to be fair, I don't like any character in Samuel's Fire. No, they are all terrible. Terrible. You know who's not terrible? Rick Hansen, John Parr, and David Foster. No, absolutely. Dream team for this song. All right. I feel like I got that out of my system. You're uh, you're really fired up about this I am this fired movie, up. I came you? in hot. <laughs> okay. You know what I love about this song? There are so many lyrics, and they're all yeah. so enjoyable. Yeah. And so, we're heading into the verse that I like the most. Okay. Burning up. Don't know just how far that I can go. Just how far I go. Soon be home. Only just a few more miles down the road. I can make it. I know I can. You broke the boy and me. But you can't break the man! Oh, man, what a line. You broke the oh. boy, but not the man. And that clearly is about Rick Hansen getting paralyzed as a boy. Yeah. But then what makes you as a man? And this is a sort of John Parr thing where he's saying you can have your injuries, the debilitations, and all these things, but it doesn't have to keep you from fulfilling a destiny of sorts. Yeah, it's all perseverance and gumption. Does that make sense? I think so. I think so, totally. Yeah. It has absolutely nothing to do with those losers in that movie. No. <laughs> okay, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop attacking. I don't why it's like beating <laughs> you up. You haven't They're... stopped. No, I'm not going to stop, gonna actually. You're not going to stop. Because Rick Hansen's awesome, and none of these characters would get it. None of these characters would care about the Man in Motion tour. No. But we did. Yeah. We fundraised for it. Yeah. Did Rick Hansen come through your town? I don't remember. I, I don't think he came through St. David's, no. Okay. I think he came through Niagara. I think he might have gone Grinsby, St. Catharines, Welland, possibly. Yeah. So I'm tr I tried to look up old articles, but I couldn't find it. They did a 25th anniversary tour through Canada. Yeah. With different para athletes. Oh, okay. Who, uh, who did this. But I'm pretty sure Rick Hansen came through and people went to go see him on a Saturday. Yeah. That's, I feel like that's what happened. Back to those lyrics there. 
Yeah, we, we jump right back into the course. And the course is what made me think that John Parr was an American. I'll be where the eagle's flying higher and higher. And you watch the video, and even in the video for Naughty Naughty, and he has that American flag guitar and everything. So I had no idea that he was British until I started researching for the song. Well, even with the whole thing about being man in motion, pair wheels, I thought, oh, like truckers. And then yeah. that's a big deal yeah. for the American singer, right? Yeah. Like the, at least back in the 80s, I felt like that was a big deal. Yeah. Do you think he lent Hulk Hogan his uh, American guitar? Did Hulk Hogan play an American flag guitar in the um, Real American video? Yeah, absolutely. He was playing an American flag guitar in uh, Real American. That's awesome. <laughs> all right. Well, look at all these connections. So, uh, okay. Now, he does a little shift with the chorus after that kind of repeat of the other chorus. He gives a slightly different version where he says he can climb the highest mountain, cross the wildest sea, and now he says he can feel St. Elmo's fire burning in me which I love this sort of shift where now St. Elmo's fire is coming out of him. Yeah. And that is a great symbol because when you think about, like, it has to do with the presence of a storm above, Yeah, right? And so, I mean, I feel for the sailors, like, oh, a great omen. Like, no, it's a thunderstorm, you know? Yeah. Put on your rubber boots. I don't really know if that works, but he can feel this sort of glow coming out. I love this connection of... I don't know, the whole universe is around him wanting him to succeed. Yeah. And that's what I sense there. Also, I like the, I can climb the highest mountain, cross the wildest sea. When Rick Hansen was doing his Man in Motion tour, he was in Europe and in Asia. So he crossed the sea to get there to wheel across those uh, continents as well. And he was climbing up the Swiss Alps. Oh, wow. Yeah. I think that his highest elevation was like five and a half kilometers or something like that. Some bonkers like that. It's bonkers. Yeah. He went through the Great Wall of China. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, I don't even know. It's bonkers. Yeah. A million well, people went to see him. Just think about the logistical work that would have to go into that. Because he, he was in Soviet Russia at the time and in communist China. Yeah. Like, yeah. the visas alone. He is the man in motion. Yeah, absolutely. And now we get the bridge. So you get that great musical interlude leading into it, and then the bridge. Just once in his life, a man has his time. And my time is now. I'm coming alive. Oh, so inspiring right there. And now it's new chorus number three, third version of the chorus. Mm -hmm. I can hear the music playing. I can see the banners fly. Now, on my lyric sheet, it has feel like you're back again, but it's actually feel like you're a man again and hope riding high. Is that what you have? Yeah. Yeah. Going to be your man in motion. 
All I need is this pair of wheels. Take me where the future is lying. Say Namos Fire. This is also kind of like exists in the songs about what it is to be a man. I yeah. just wonder how it feels as a woman to listen to this song too. It's, <laughs> it's like, true, I'm a yeah. man. This is a man. The idea of the 1980s man is a big deal oh, to yeah. me. And so there's a lot of music that you can file under 80s man, especially yeah. in soundtrack songs where it's like the strong man, the protector, yeah. all these sorts of things about what it means to be a man. And it doesn't quite veer into toxic masculinity, but just it, the it, idea of being this sort of man. It where sits it's on like, the fringes of it. It sits though. on the fringes. I still enjoy it, but it's like, okay, we're getting close. Yeah. We're getting close. And I mean, then it's it moves into chorus repeats, but by the time we get to that end, he's starts talking about it burning me. I can feel it burning, St. Elmo's fire. Ooh. And then he has this scream where you, you have to listen really closely as it fades out. And he has this, ah! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is just like, oh, man, John Parr can hit those notes. Do you know who taught him how to keep from destroying his voice while he's saying live? Was it Meatloaf? Tina Turner. Oh! Tina Turner said to him, you're going to wreck your voice if you sing like that. And he's like, you sing like that every night. And she says, here's what you do. You get really hot port wine and you gargle it. And then she goes, and you spit it out as though <laughs> she didn't trust that he would, he would drink it. Yeah. And that's what's going to save your voice. Oh, really? Oh, wow. So, before we did the podcast, I also gargled hot port. Yeah. And now I have burns all over the back <laughs> of my throat. But you're hitting those notes. Yeah. Or at least hitting raspy notes now. I don't yeah. think I can hit certain notes ever again. No, no. What I love in this song, and I have this in, in big capital letters, the horns in the background of the choruses. Yeah. It's just there, and it just punctuates everything. And you wonder, was Rob Lowe playing those horns? No, he was not. He was not. I took a look and it looked like he had trumpet and certain horns, but any sax is going to be just programmed into the whatever keyboard they're using. Yeah, it was trombones and trumpet. Oh, man. There is just the right amount of guitar used, too, in this. Yeah. And there's just so much that is the David Foster production that got mocked later, but you and I would never mock Oh, no, that. I will never mock David Foster. He had that terrible reality show in the early 2000s or mid 2000s or something like that but i will not mock his music foster the people is that his band no okay should be this is a good call though do you know that because of david foster's heart for lost kids that's why we say foster child no <laughs> i made that one up on the spot <laughs> Oh, you know, I feel we haven't talked enough about the movie St. Elmo's Fire, so it's time no, we talk we've, about We've the... talked too much about the movie. <laughs> well, let's talk about the video for the song, Frank. All right. Here's the best part of the video. They burn down the St. Elmo's Fire bar. Yeah, which is fantastic, because if that bar doesn't exist, that group doesn't exist, and that movie doesn't exist. The pretty incredible thing is they convinced everybody in that movie to come back for the music video. And so they're looking in the windows at the burnt out bar. 
much like the song happened in 24 hours, they shot the video in a 24-hour swath of time. It's kind of confusing because you can't really tell the bar has totally burned down because it doesn't look burnt down enough. Yeah. And so they're supposed to be feeling sad about it burning down, mm-hmm. but you can't really tell that it burned down. At one point, John Parr is playing for people, Yeah, which begs the question, did John Parr burn down, burn down the fire? bar? And did he burn it down because this song is on fire? I think so, yes. So in the video, you have him playing, doing his thing, and I don't feel that he's the strongest actor. No, he, he's, he's not the strongest actor. And one of the articles that I read said that he didn't know who the Brat Pack was. He had no idea who any of these actors were. So while they were shooting the video, at the end of it, he was giving them advice because he had acted in like a high school play once. Community like, theater. Yeah. It's like, you can, you kids just keep doing what you're doing. Like, here's a little acting advice for you. It's great because... <laughs> he has no idea who they were. He looks so aware that he's being filmed where the rest of them are all totally natural yeah i've said how much i hate all these characters in the movie yeah but i like all these actors yeah in the the video they pull it off like they're sitting there and there's a moment where i think he talks to demi Moore first he sings to her first at the end and then he goes to rob lowe and rob lowe just looks at him in this way that's like Truly kind of smiling, but also not condescending, but kind of putting up with this older guy who's been giving him advice. And he kind of smiles and nods his head. And our man, Tom Bryhan, wrote about this saying, you have Rob Lowe's incredible mullet. Yeah. And then John Parr's hair just makes him look like Michael Landon from Highway to Heaven. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Which is right on the money. Absolutely. The Michael Landon hair is iconic. Yeah. I mean, you could say Charles Ingalls had the same mullet, too. He did, yes. How would heaven? You Did you watch that show? I've seen a couple of episodes. I feel like Man in Motion would work really well. Oh, absolutely it would have, yeah. Actually, it would have been a storyline for sure. I think so. Okay, so more to say, Frank. He goes to every character. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Ali Sheedy and Judd Nelson are still chumming around. Are they insinuating that that couple actually stayed together? I don't like that. Yeah, no, no, no. Um, she should be with Andrew McCarthy, which she wasn't at. You saw the end. Yeah, so at the end of the movie, the three of them, because is a group of seven friends who are always together, blah, 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 went through university together. They're starting their careers. Ali Sheedy was living with Judd Nelson, but then Judd Nelson continually cheated on her. So she ended up crashing at Andrew McCarthy's place, who was in love with her. Yeah, and it was—it's always this revolving door of who's sleeping with who, kind of, yeah, yeah. Kind of group of friends. And I don't understand how you can stay friends with people. So there is all this tension between Judd Nelson and Andrew McCarthy at the end of the movie. Does when, he try to kill him? Yes. at the end. Yes, and they—they they all laugh at a co- like a couple hours later. Yeah, at the end, like when uh, Rob Lowe's character is leaving and he's getting on this on this bus and leaving, and then it's. Ali Sheedy, Judd Nelson, and Andrew McCarthy, and they're kind of walking, and she's between the two, and just and saying, "I think we should always be friends." Like that's awful. You just broke off your relationship with Judd Nelson. You slept with Andrew McCarthy, so now everyone's just all kosher with everything because Judd Nelson was cheating on her. Well, yeah, Judd Nelson was a terrible person in this. Now, thing. Now, 
was she and Andrew McCarthy the most likable? They seem like they I think so. Kind of yeah. likable? Yeah. So in the video, she should have been with Andrew McCarthy, who yeah. barely is in it. He just happens to walk alongside of them. Yeah. Where it's like, listen, this is the guy for Weekend at Birdies and Mannequin. Yeah. And you're just going to ignore him? Emilio Estevez is there too. They didn't deal with Billy the Kid. Like, yeah. these people were destined for great things. Yeah, exactly. So it felt like a waste of their characters. I feel like they only were like, maybe they were only contracted to be on for a couple minutes. Yeah. But, or they just didn't know what they had there. Yeah. Well, there was such a short timeline to shoot that video too. So I think they just took what they got. Okay. Whew. I feel like we've almost exercised the St. Animals Fire movie demon. <laughs> I have a question for you, Frank. All right. What movie should the song have been in instead? Oh, it could have fit in Rocky 3. Yep. Rocky 4. Yep. Rocky 2. Yeah. It could have been in really any sports movie from the mid-80s. I feel like it could have been in Karate Kid. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. I feel a lot of Stallone movies. I think it could have been in Over the Top because of the wheels. Yeah, I was really trying to work through Cobra, but sure. <laughs> Cobra deserves its own podcast episode, despite the fact that there's no music in it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll work through that. Yeah, I think there's so many movies. The last possible choice is the movie it was in. Yeah, absolutely. But had it not been for the movie, we wouldn't have had the St. Elmo's Fire thing. Yeah. And so I am going to let it go. Much like Elsa did in Frozen. But did she really let it go? I don't think no. so. We can't really talk about a Hallmark movie because it's already from a movie. And it's, and it's kind of been tainted, I think. Yeah. And it's really the Man of Motion tour. Yeah. So, it can't be a Hallmark movie because it's Rick Hansen's song. Yeah. As it should be. Yeah, exactly. Category we don't bring up too often, but I feel this is fitting. Does Frank run to this song? I do. Okay. It's been on my running mixes. I don't run with music currently. Yeah. But for pump-up music before races, I listen to this song or... At least it's on the mix. If it comes across when I randomize things, it uh, it definitely gets played. I need to play this before my exams next year. I think this should be on it. On the exam. Like like they have to press a button and it, it just shows up. No, I think this should be your part of your exam prep like pump-up song. Well, I do talk a lot about the podcast, possibly even an inordinate amount of time <laughs> for a math teacher. <laughs> But I feel like I might play this, even though I know there's about seven other classes in the cafeteria also writing exams, I might just play it for everybody. Oh, I would think so. It would get everyone inspired for their exam. Yeah. They can go where the eagles fly, higher and higher. And their marks can get there, too. What type of school activity should accompany this song? Track meet. Oh, that's good. I have jump rope for heart, but I like oh, track yeah. meet. That's very good. I also think it would work really well for a youth group dramatic presentation. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't have those at school. No. Well, not, not a at, church youth group. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, where would you be most likely to hear this in public? I hear it constantly at races when right. I do them. Okay, that makes total sense. Okay. What season of the year would this song? Oh, this is a summer song. You got it. Okay. Okay, uh, one more. You answer that quickly. Let's see how quickly you answer this. Do you China. Think... <laughs> Was I right? You were not right. Oh. 
Do you think Michael Bolton could sing this song? Absolutely he could. I think Michael Bolton would do a killer version of this song. I bet you Michael Bolton sings this in the shower and says, kind of to quote Billy Ray Cyrus, could have been me. <laughs> he could have yeah, sang this song. Absolutely. I think by the time the chorus hits, he's already blown up the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, the higher and higher, he's he's obliterated himself. Yeah, he yeah. burns out in the atmosphere. Yeah. And just pieces of Michael Bolton fall all over us. He's just stardust. That is a comforting notion. It is. <laughs> Sorry, Michael Bolton. That Michael Bolton's just covering us all. Yeah. With his stardust. <laughs> Have you heard the Tim Tebow version? I heard about the Tim Tebow version, but... I refuse to listen to it because I have way too much respect for this song. Yeah. He really loves Tim Tebow. Yeah. Am I saying Tebow right? Well, yeah, you are. I said okay. it incorrectly okay. on purpose. I know, like, my friends who play football, uh, they, no one plays. They just watch football. But yeah. They, they have strong feelings about it. But I'm like, I, I don't quite get it. But this sort of love for him and that it talked about the Broncos and Tim Tebow's fire. I'm like, listen, it's Rick Hansen's song. Yeah. John, I know you wrote it, but it's Rick Hansen. It's Rick Hansen. Yeah, so let's stop this. Yeah. Did you listen to it? Yeah, I did. Did they change the lyrics a lot? Yeah, well, it just talked about Tim Tebow's fire, and he talked uh, about the Broncos and throwing passes. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Uh, it's unfortunate because I, Tim Tebow really couldn't throw passes. <laughs> that's so what's I hear. They were ex- trying to explain it to me. Yeah. Oh, man. American football. We got mixtape time. Yeah, I have an extensive mixtape, so I'm going to let you go in case there's overlap. Oh, there's definitely got to be overlap. So I worked hard to come up with like 80s pump up soundtrack songs. Oh, okay. After we open with St. Elmo's Fire, Man in Motion, mm-hmm. follow it up with Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now by Starship. Well, that's already one cross off my list. Then we follow it with Hearts on Fire from Rocky Four. Oh, nice. John Cafferty. Yeah, yeah. And then we're going to move into Flashdance, Irene Cara. Almost made what it onto mine. All right. And then I have When the Going Gets Tough, Billy Ocean. Nice call. Yeah. And then I'm going to end it. I'm not sure it works, but it's. I think it's going to kind of cycle through because you got when the going gets tough, the tough get going. But the only type of people who can pull this off are the ones who are the best. And I have You're the Best by Joan Bean Esposito <laughs> yes. from the Karate Kid soundtrack. <laughs> Fantastic. So that's mine. All right. I went with the theme of courage and confidence. Oh, good. Hit Me With Your Best Shot by Pat Benatar. You're the Voice by John Farnham. Second time brought into it the podcast. I know. Never Surrender, Corey Hart. Oh, baby. Roll With It, Steve Winwood. Very good. Hold On by Wilson Phillips. Yeah, that works. I have a great one-two punch to finish things off. Okay. Hero by Mariah Carey. Is this punch like trying to knock me out? Yeah, this is, not... this is the knockout punch. Okay, all right. This is stunning you. Oh, yeah. Here's the knockout punch. I've got confidence, Julie Andrews, from the Sound of Music soundtrack. See, I thought you were going Eye of the Tiger, but no, we went for, wow, I got confidence. Oh, yes, I know, I remember that. 
this might surprise you, but I really do like the sound of music. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm a fan. Yeah. I didn't see that coming no. at all. I th- was worried you're going to say breakfast at Tiffany's. Or <laughs> hands by Jewel. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. I'll take Julie Andrews any day. Any day. Okay. That was great. And so I believe our mixtape will uh, inspire thousands. So uh, those listening, just know that I put the mixtape into the show notes and you can find it. And it's even hyperlinked. You just need to tap it. Every once in a while, we do an episode that feels both effortless and kind of exhausting because we hit up every possible category and everything we can say about it. And I don't think we said everything possible about Man in Motion or St. Elmo's Fire, I guess is a proper name for John Parr's tune. But this song is so good and it just sets us up for so much success because you hear it and you feel like you can do it. Absolutely. I'm going to go run a marathon like tonight still. I hope we've also been able to inspire you, dear listener, with this song and hopefully with our other episodes. Remember, the music that you love is great music. And we are out here cheering you on as you run that race. And just know that no matter what people are saying to you, you got St. Almost fire burning inside. This has been Bill and Frank's Guilt-Free Pleasures.